Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. And you're going to run into your destiny. And I've given you a multi-ethnic people, but that's only the beginning to what I'm going to do. For I will shake this nation from one end to another, says the Lord. In fact, you will watch this nation tilt and you will fear that it's going to slide off one end and many will be afraid and they will say, is there any end to this slide? But what the enemies meant for evil, I have meant for good. For I'm going to slide your fellow citizens by the hundreds and thousands into my kingdom. And when this slide comes and halfway through in the months on the calendars have ticked down to 17 and many are fearful, you will remember that what seemed like a slide was the beginning of my great river. I've titled this message, Pentecost 2020, Plowed, Harvested, Leveled, Sown, and Harvested. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for my Bethel family. I also thank you for my every nation family and the body of Christ around the world. Lord, in the midst of this incredibly painful time around the world, there's a promise hidden in it. Help us today to capture that. I thank you, Father, that you were not taken by surprise by any of these events, by this pandemic. In fact, what the enemy is meant for evil, you will use for good. I thank you for it, Lord. Amen. There are certain things in your life uh, you never forget. 17 months ago today, I was sitting on the front row here at Bethel. It was our New Year's Eve service. I was getting ready to speak. And all of a sudden, I received a strong impression from the Holy Spirit. The next thing I knew in my mind's eye, I saw in New York City, it was shaken, shattered. Uh, the financial markets were crumbling. And in my conscious mind, I could hear people begin to scream, who'll save us? Where's the government? Where's the military? Recession, depression, recession, depression. It rippled all the way back through the United States. It was almost as if California went vertical. This, this hit me at a personal level as well because I have family both in New York City and in California. Uh, the next thing I know, the whole country began to slide. In my mind, people were screaming and yelling. Literally, I thought the whole country was gonna slide into some horrific depression and slide right off into New York City Harbor. And the next thing I knew, the hands of our heavenly father reached out and caught our country. And I heard these words, you're coming to a tipping point, 17 months, 17 months, 17 months. And you saw a moment ago in that clip, I said, you're not only, I'm gonna catch you as you slide into my river. What does that mean? A few months later in 2019, 
May 19th, I was in the mountains of Tennessee praying, still just troubled and burdened. I woke up that morning and out of the east, I have no words to describe it. I saw a river of death pouring down into my world. It was merciless. It was filled with death. It was mindless. It took me months to realize that was COVID-19. By the fall of 2019, I was praying. I was crying out. I was getting more specifics from the Holy Spirit. I found myself crying out for America, just crying out um, in January as COVID-19 was just beginning to manifest. Not even about COVID-19, praying for revival, praying for visitation. And I felt these words come, I'm getting ready to touch America, but there's going to be a cost. And as COVID-19 began to manifest in America and then really throughout the world, I realized that in the middle of this great pain, with the enemy meant for evil, God was allowing the nations of the earth to be plowed up for a fresh visitation of his spirit. Pentecost is promised in Joel 2, 28 and 29, that it'll come to pass afterwards, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit. What does that mean? Joel prophesied, looking off into the future, the day is coming when God's gonna pour his spirit out on all flesh, men, women, every social economic background. Now we know in Acts 2, 15 through 18, on the day of Pentecost, the original Pentecost where the Holy Spirit was poured out on the earth, Peter stood and said, today the prophecy of Joel is fulfilled. Now the amazing thing is, throughout history, in countless nations and around the world, God has freshly poured out his spirit to revive the church and touch humanity. In fact, when you look in Acts 3, 19 through 21, it says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Now the time of refreshing is another word for what we call revival. Unusual moves of God's spirit where it revives the church, freshly fills us with the Holy Spirit, motivates us for evangelism and simultaneously prepares the world for harvest. Yet, there's typically a prelude. Before God brings a major harvest in the world, there's something he does. When you look in the book of Joel in chapter one and the verses in chapter two preceding the great prophecy of an outpouring, it talks about a horrific pestilence. Um, there's a locust, like a massive horde destroying the economy of Israel. And as they begin to pray, and as they begin to cry out, that pestilence is dealt with and God touches them freshly. In the book of Acts, after Pentecost, Jesus has been crucified only a few weeks before. They're dominated by Romans, massive taxation, feeling oppressed. And typically before great moves of the spirit, there's an event or events that plow up the nations of the world that create fresh hunger in the hearts of men and women, our friends, our family, our coworkers. It's interesting, and it talks about this in the book of Isaiah 28. After talking about some terrible invasions that Israel would face and some of the pain they'd go through, God gives a promise and he says this, give ear and hear my voice. 
Give attention and hear my speech. Does he who plow for sowing plow continually? Does he continually open and harrow his ground? When he's leveled its surface, does he not scatter dill, sow cumin and put in wheats and rows and barley in its proper place and emmer as the border? For he is rightly instructed, his God teaches him. You see the plow here. As we came into this COVID crisis, I began to realize that what the enemy meant for evil in the middle of all this pain, God had a promise. This was being used to plow the nations. As I've been in conversations around the world, literally in every continent during this crisis, the report I hear over and over is, there's just a new openness to God. People are hungering for God. Um, people that never ever would have come to church on their own have come online and watched services. That goes on to say, God says, once I plow, then I harrow. What does that mean? In ancient farming, you'd plow first and still in modern farming, then you come with a harrow plow and you break up the clods, then you level the ground and then you sow. You see, what is God after? What's he doing in this hour? God's done his part. In the middle of all this pain, in the middle of the fear and the anxiety and the crisis, in one of those unique moments where God has leveled the playing field. I thank God for social distancing and mass and all those things, but in reality, science hasn't had the answer yet. I pray every day for a vaccine, but right now there is not one. And it's forced people to deal with eternity. It's forced people to look beyond their government and look beyond science. How should we respond to that? What is God asking of my Bethel family, my home church? What's God asking of my every nation family? What is God asking of the body of Christ around the world? Some years ago, I had a strong impression of the Holy Spirit, of a move of God that was coming. You see, typically when God revives his church, typically when God pours out his spirit, there's a ground zero. We find that at Jerusalem. Um, we find that in Wittenberg with the Reformation and Azusa Street with a Pentecostal revival. But I'll never forget the impression God gave me some years ago, and I saw a move of the spirit where local churches across our country were ignited in such fire and such evangelism. But for a period of time, the darkness that oppresses our nation was swallowed up in light. As I've literally, I've talked to great leaders in every continent of the world. I'll never forget talking to some of the key leaders in all of Europe spiritually. And they told me, we've never seen what we're seeing now in our lifetime. So many people hungering for God. So many people joining us online that never would have darkened the door of the church. What is God up to? You see, God's done his part. He's used this terrible crisis to plow hearts. Yes, he has. He's allowed this harrowing time to break up the clods of unbelief. He's leveled the playing field if you will. And I believe soon 
Rain is coming. But if we're going to see the transformation we all desire, if we're going to see our friends and neighbors not just touched, not just open, if the receptivity of the world's people is going up when it comes to the gospel and all indicators point to that, what is our responsibility? If God's done the heavy lifting, if God's done the plowing, and he has, and the harrowing, and the leveling, and soon he'll rain on it, what is our job? What's our task? What's my task? What's he asking of Bethel, of every nation, of the churches in Nashville, of the churches in whatever city you're from, in the body of Christ around the world? What practices is he asking of us? What's it going to take for a plowed world to burst forth in revival? What's it going to take to see our friends, our loved ones, our neighbors touched by the Holy Spirit of God? What practices does he want to instill in our hearts? I think the best way I can answer that question is in the form of two questions. And this, I believe, captures what's on God's heart for his church. Will we stay and pray, and will we sow and go? What do I mean by that? First of all, will you stay filled with the Holy Spirit? In Acts 4.31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. What does that mean? In that room were the very people who had been to Pentecost, and even though they had been baptized in the fire and power of God, here weeks later, they were filled again. I appreciate the fact that you have the Holy Spirit and you're saved and you know Christ if you've trusted him as your Lord and Savior. But God says we can be continually filled with his power. In Ephesians 5, 16 through 19, it says, make the best use of the time because the days are hard. The days are evil. How do you make the best use of your time? He says, don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand in the middle of this crisis, this quarantine we've all been in, and the world in many places in Europe and the United States is coming out of quarantine. My prayers are still focused now in the majority world where some, in some places this crisis is just beginning. Quarantine means 40 days. And I truly believe the church has had their little wilderness to humble us and teach us that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, what comes out of the wilderness, the promised land. He says, you need to understand what the will of God is. Don't get drunk with wine. What's Paul saying? Be careful what you medicate on. Forget drunkenness for a moment. Are we medicating on binging on the internet? What are we medicating on, Paul says? Don't medicate on anything in the end. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart with the Lord. What does that mean? That means very simply, beloved, there's a corporate and an individual dynamic to being filled with the Spirit. That right now we're in church online and soon in many parts of the world coming back together as we worship, as we fellowship, as we walk with God, he touches us. And individually in your home, many of you have had more time on your hands than you're ever used to. Could it be that God's wanted to freshly fill you with the Spirit? Then it says, stay in fellowship. What have we learned with online church? Well, thank God for Zoom, though maybe we're weary of it. Thank God for video. And as much as I appreciate the power of online Christianity, I've missed the fellowship of my brothers and sisters. I've missed being together. As much as I appreciate the great messages that you can receive online, we all miss a dynamic of worship that when God's people come together, his presence filled a place. It says in Acts 2, 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. Stay filled with the Spirit. Stay in fellowship. Pray without ceasing. Pentecost, part of the prelude was 10 days of serious prayer. I've had the privilege of being a part with my Bethel family and many others around the world of Unite 714, where twice a day we're praying and crying out for COVID to be mitigated and for revival. Prayer is so critical. Your prayers are so powerful. Extraordinary moves of the Spirit are birthed by extraordinary prayer. My last question is this, will we sow and go? The Lord can plow a field, it's true. He can use crisis to harrow a people. He can level the playing field. But sowing is the responsibility of the church. Will you say, well, Pastor Jim, I've heard there are places where angels literally appear to people, and that is true throughout the Middle East, that's happened, but that doesn't mean someone does not go and sow. It says, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you in Acts 1.8, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Romans 10.14 says, how then will they call on him whom they've not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? How are they to hear unless someone tells them? Sowing seeds is not just about your pastor or the evangelist or the staff. God's done his part. Will we do our part? Will we sow? This scripture was so impressed on me. It says this in Psalms 126, five and six. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He or she who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. What does that mean? Tears have verily, very rarely produced revival. It's tears and sowing. It's not enough just to be sorrowful over this pandemic. It's not enough just to have a lot of emotion about it. No, the Bible says, those who sow in tears will reap something. 
The Bible goes on to say, if you go out weeping, bearing seed for sowing, you'll shout with a harvest. God's done his part. He'll soon do more. But will we sow? I've walked every day for the most part during this crisis. I was walking my park and I saw two policemen talking through open window. And I immediately drew their attention and asked if I could pray for them. And they were so open because of this pandemic. Oh, there's an openness. People are afraid. Even as it's being mitigated in many countries and seems to be in retreat, they're already afraid of of the fall. God's got that. Don't be afraid. But will you sow? There are people that you're in proximity with, that your pastor, your staff, will never be close to. They're watching you. They're open. And will you go? The last command of Jesus. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always. Will you go? Well, go where, Pastor Jim? How about going into a small group? For most of us, it's not going to another country. It's going to our neighbor. It's going to a coworker. Is going to a relative, simply inviting them to church, sharing a bit of the gospel. This is our moment around the world. And I've talked to scores of the greatest leaders in Christianity. They all share two things in common, regardless of their theology, regardless of what they believe about church polity and how it's to work. They believe this. God is greater than COVID-19 and he's getting ready to touch the earth. 17 months ago, sitting in this building on New Year's Eve of 2018 going into 2019, I saw this great shaking and the Lord promised me he'd catch us. He'd help us. 17 months, 17 months. And that was 17 months ago. And I'm believing not only will God continue to help us, not only will we see COVID-19 mitigated, both by God's direct hand through the wisdom he gives to scientists and doctors, but we're going to see a harvest. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, I've done my part, will you do yours? In March, the second weekend, I think it was on a Friday, the Lord dropped a scripture in my heart out of Isaiah 59. So in Isaiah 59, God says, I looked upon the nations of the earth, I was displeased. But when I stepped down into history, I was appalled because I couldn't find a human to intervene. That scripture planted something in my heart. 
And out of that, he began to speak to me about a worldwide move to pray. I've had the joy of being a part of denominations and organizations and every Christian tradition and churches in 179 countries, praying and crying out. But prayer alone will not bring the in-gathering we desire. Yes, we must pray. Yes, we must stay filled with the Spirit and fellowshipping. But we must go and we must sow. Lord Jesus, I thank you that in the middle of this pain, there's great promise. And I'm asking, Lord, for your continued help with COVID-19. God, that you would mitigate this terrible pandemic. You'd help, Lord, those in the majority world that don't even have the infrastructure of health and hospitals, help them. I pray you'd also give wisdom to doctors and scientists. We're thankful for that. But I'm asking that your church would rise up and sow. That your church would rise up and pray. And at this epochal moment in history, where you're doing your part, we would do ours as well. Thank you, Lord. Amen.